Hello there, I'm George Hall, and welcome back to another instalment of the Good Growth Podcast. Now, today we're bringing you the third and final part of our Introductions of Good Growth Technology episode. So back at the start of May, Good Growth CTO Jake Clarkson sat down with me to talk through the acquisition of Amigo Technology. Well, Jake, first of all, we've spoken about constraints, be it time, money, resource that businesses could be suffering from. I'm keen to know how you think we work best. Is there a way that you see Good Growth Technology best implemented within clients? Yeah, sure. Um, so I should say, you know, in keeping with the insight and innovation at Speak within current constraints, so not only do we want to operate within current constraints, we don't want to add any more constraints, you know, so we don't want to make the problem any worse. So to, to that end, uh, one of the ways um, that we've achieved that is to make implementation of our technology as, as simple as possible. And the same applies to, to working with us on, on the data front. So on the technology front, it's simply a case of adding our JavaScript tag to, to the site. Uh, and that's it. So there's no tagging up, you know, adding special data attributes or custom attributes to identify elements, you know, setting up, uh, placing elements into a data layer or anything like that. Um, just add the tag and we'll do the rest. And as an aside, because of that um, simplicity, we're able to show demos to, to, to any prospective client uh, using a browser extension because we can simply say, you know, on one well, machines that have that browser extension, add the tag you know, as if client X had implemented it. And that, that's all that has to be done. So we want to make the integration and installation, I suppose, in some sense, uh, as, as simple as possible. I should say there's no need to selectively install the tag as well. Um, we'll talk later maybe about how what happens when the when the tag loads and a bit more about the lifting a little bit lifting the lid maybe a little bit on the on the technology but in terms of how we best work with clients so there are different ways that we can identify um, tests or experiences to run so there are two primary ways so it's through our clients ideas so that could be um, gut instinct. It could be stuff that's worked well with, um, you know, in, in competitors. Maybe someone's moved from um, company X that's a competitor to company Y. So that could be a source of ideas. It can be data driven. Um, so maybe where a client has already done some analysis, they've identified that this is a this shows potential. Again, back to that point of innovation, carrying some inherent risk. You know, it's not guaranteed to, to provide a, a, a positive outcome, but it's all the data suggesting it will. Um, so that's one source of ideas. We have, you know, extensive expertise in um, particularly e-commerce and, you know, working with um, people selling stuff online. Um, so we can bring all of that knowledge and expertise to, to the table. So that's, uh, we, we like to have a, a well-filled you know, backlog, for want of a better term, of ideas that, that, we, can, that we can run through um, in conjunction with, the, with our clients. We... Want, ideally, with our clients, we want to get to a point where they buy into this idea of testing at speed. So let's say we want to deliver some functionality for a prospective client. We want to try and break them out of this idea that of what it means to develop a feature, quote-unquote, properly. You know, what does it mean to 
do software engineering properly. And we can maybe talk about that a little bit and unpack that a little bit. So if we hear things like, oh, well, we need to speak to, we need to get that API integration, we'll have to get that sort of deep, you know, we'll have to go through that uh, committee in order to get that done, or we'll have to, you know, essentially drawing us back into the system, you know, in, in aggregate, that exhibits those challenges that we talked about earlier, you know, the organization complexity, the cost, the time, the lack of resources. If we, if we're if kind of the gravitational pull is bringing us back into that, that's when there can be some, some challenges. So in an ideal situation, we would look to get to a place with clients where we can operate, not independent, I say independently, and I know that, that could um, raise some concerns in, in what you mean by independently. That's not to say just let us do what we want, um, give us carte blanche to, to do anything. That's absolutely not what we're saying. When I say independently, um, maybe a useful clarification is that we're seeking to work independently from a technology perspective and from a data perspective. Um, so the analogy of making it easy to install the technology would be that we make it as easy as possible to deal with um, to interact with this on a data level. Um, so uh, grant us access to Google Analytics, we'll do the rest would be the equivalent as opposed to add this data point, add this data point, create this segment, you know, all that kind of stuff. We want to make, we will do all of that. So on both dimensions of data and tech, we want it to be as easy. Um, and another way I'd like to describe it is we want you to focus on what you want to do, not how, not the mechanical process uh, of getting there. So back to the question of how do we work best. So a place where we can operate independently from a tech and, and data perspective but where we want the client you know, involved and engaged um, with the process, we want to make um, our sponsors and counterparts in, in, our, in our clients look great. You know, we want to be part of the team. Um, we don't want to be this sort of thing operating in the shadows that no one's allowed to know about. We want to be involved and, you know, a way I think about, another way I think about good growth and what we're trying to achieve as a business is that, you know, let's say X, N, you know, years time, you know, it would, due to sort of the philosophy that we've sort of brought and allowed to be become sort of possible in the world, is that people would think, why not try that? You know, why, why would you ever commit to a three month allocation of a development squad without having tested it first? You know, so we're trying to expand the the boundaries of what people think is testable, you know, um, as opposed to thinking that's too hard to test, that's outside the bounds of testing. And just as a concrete example, um, it's still hypothetical and no, no client uh, <laughs> you know, uh, IP being uh, revealed here. Um, so let's say something like we want to store a new piece of data against a customer account. So one, one you know, the traditional way, of course, we think, well, okay, we have to go into, you know, update table, user, add column, you know, uh, whatever the new thing is we want to store. So you're updating a database, you're updating the app, you know, the app player, if we go with some kind of end-tier architecture, um, you're having to update the UI, you know, maybe that's hitting three separate people. Um, you're then into organisational complexity and exponential um, time increase. You're having to, you know, they might be able to work in at different times, you know, so there's, that's one way of approaching it. Mm -hmm. um, our approach would be, well, don't worry about st storing it properly, you know, in, in the database. Store it using good growth technology, GGT. And then if it turns out that adding 
data point X or feature X to the user account is worthwhile, then, well, you've got the spec because we've iterated on it together. Sure. So you can give that to your, um, the spec is, have a play with it, use it. And of course, we can be a bit more detailed than that, of course, in terms of handling edge cases and, and documenting that for, for, for clients, developers. So yes, that's, that's a concrete example. And it does illustrate the broader point that in order to do that, our technology, unlike um, CRO tools, A-B testing tools, it has to be feature complete as a tech stack. So, you know, it's got to have its own database, you know, so it can store um, data decoupled from the web. And I should, we talked a lot about the web, but, you know, there's nothing that limits good growth technology, um, GGT, to the web. You know, it's ultimately it speaks HTTP, it speaks the language of the web, so, and it has APIs, so it can, it can, it can work in a completely headless um, context as well, like an IoT device, for, for, for example. But yes, so our, our technology has to be sort of feature complete um, with regard to tech stack. So have its own database, have its own decision-making engine, you know, Boolean logic, you know, at the end of the day. It has to be able to make changes on a website. It has to be able to speak JavaScript, um, CSS, and HTML in order to, to cover that space. And so, yes, um, independence um, from our clients um, from a technology and data perspective and, and buying into that philosophy so it doesn't have to be done properly, sure. you know. Um, I could perhaps just briefly comment on, you know, what it means to do something, do something properly. Because, yeah. um, you know, some of may hear, hear that and think, oh, you know, it's just the old Facebook or meta, nay, Facebook approach of, you know, move fast and break things, you know, that, that kind of thing. It's not a, a sort of Silicon Valley style, it's just, you know, just hack our way to some kind of global maximum. You know, when I say do things properly, there are certain things, particularly in large enterprises, but really any business, there are certain boxes that must be ticked, of course. So, you know, whether that's compliance, uh, whether that's performance, you know, so if you say, we've got the great solution that takes 50 seconds to respond, um, you slow down your website, then that's, that's of course, not acceptable. Sure. So there are certain, you know, foundational uh, things that must be ticked off before um, uh, any client should, you know, entertain working with us. And all of those we can, we can talk about. Uh, I'd like to think that we do tick all those boxes. But then it comes back, I think for me, you know, we go back to a rel what's a relatively nascent field in um, computer science, computer programming. If we can stretch it back to, well, again, back to my daughter with Ada Lovelace, we can go back that far if we really want to. But <laughs> I think that's probably generous to say that that directly influences um, how we code today. Um, but if we go back to, I don't know, the 50s, and we've got the emergence from, you know, electrical engineering, maths, of course, and we, you know, you know, you, uh, where does computer science belong? You know, you the work of Turing, you know, Gödel, you know, all those kind of people. Where does it belong? Um, so I think coming out of maths and, you know, the electrical engineering, I think there's, there's a degree of, you know, let's switch over to engineering and maybe go from electrical engineering to sort of civil engineering and say, well, let's, let's build a bridge. You know, it doesn't matter if it falls down, you know. Um, there might be people on it, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, that, that just doesn't, doesn't work. You know, so it has to be robust, it has to be well thought out. You have to think about all the edge cases, you know, within some margin of error, of course, um, up front. And of course, <laughs> not suggesting that we, we do away with that and just start, <laughs> you know, start experimenting on, um, on, on that kind of scenario. But I think that legacy, I know that, of course, with maths, 
you know, um, that, you know, from the axioms, we if this, then that, and, you know, and it, it all flows um, from those those foundations. So it's it's either right or wrong to some extent. So I think these legacies are still in software engineering, and and so how can we challenge that? And you know, that's what that's what I want to. That's the thing I'm personally very passionate about is allowing people to, to enact change, you know, to free people from these so-called best practices. And again, I'm not here to say that, you know, having tests for your code is bad practice, absolutely not. Um, but I think there are certain things that you know, do hold back um, develop, development teams. And so our goal is to, back to the question about ideal clients, is getting that buy-in that we'll just find a way, for one of a less extreme mm. way of putting it, a way to test this functionality um, that ticks all the boxes, compliance, speed, security, etc., but just allows me to test it quickly. Sure. And so if that's really what we're what we're looking for for, for buy-in from from our from our clients. Sure, sure. And then Jake, before we finish up, look, it's been brilliant to get uh, an intro into what was Amigo and is now good growth technology, and also an intro to yourself as well. Finally, I'd love to hear what the future holds for GGT in your view. You know, is it more of the same? Is it branching out? Is it something else entirely? How do you see things panning out? Yeah, sure. Um, so, so in some sense, um, more of the same. Um, in terms, a little bit about the, the technology. So, uh, a constant source of inspiration to to me is really the. The Bell Labs days, you know, talked a little bit about the history of software engineering already. Um, and, you know, you go back to people from, from um, you know, the, the Unix room, you know, Ken Thompson's, you know, Dennis Ritchie's, you know, Brian Kernigan's, you know, Doug McElroy, all those kind of people. And those um, those people really inspired the design of the, um, particularly Unix, the operating system, have inspired um, GGT, you know, Google Technology, or was Amiga. And so I mentioned that just as general interest. <laughs> Feel free to message me about Unix if you're listening to this. And as an aside, my wife can't quite understand why I'm reading a book of Unix, a history, and a memoir on holiday. But you know, I, I find it interesting. <laughs> I'm sure there are others out there that do as well. So please reach out if you do. Um, but you know, the design is is similar. So you know, something with Unix that you know its its simplicity is something that we seek to that we what that we strive for within within good growth technology sure. so you know as an aside not just from that book that i mentioned but you know where unix came out of a, a system that had become you know massively complicated um you know people have lost interest in it because it's too complicated you know to the point where bell labs you know washing their hands of operating systems um, because they've been burnt so badly by it and the response wasn't Okay, let's create something even more complicated because that's that's how we get um, something good. But let's actually just distill this down to something simple. Sure. Um, how do we cover this with a sort of a minimum number of you know what we call orthogonal, you know, um, you know, complementary independent features to cover the space rather than lots of point solutions here. So as we go on with um, the future of, of of good growth technology, somewhat maybe surprisingly. Um, we're not seeking to just add bits left, right, and center. You know, we're seeking to evolve the, the platform so that it it can tackle more problems, but in a sort of elegant elegant way. And a measure of you know if you've achieved an, 
been successful in that type of software engineering is that if you, well, one, it's easier to maintain because <laughs> there's less parts to maintain, but you find that each of the, 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 the components sort of just work well and work naturally together, and you'll find yourself somewhere down the line saying, oh, we can do that, yeah, because that, that yeah. just works with that. And that's why it comes back to Unix, you know, the, the inspiration of the, you know, the Unix shell, you know, the, the, the commands within there, pipes, you know, all that kind of stuff. So as we evolve the, pl the platform, there are some cool new features, um, such as being able to work um, server-side, and that's, that's more than server-side in, in the sense of hit the good growth technology API and we'll tell you if it's A or B, but actually being able to run good growth technology experiences in a headless context. Um, so that, that's quite a cool one. Um, there are lots of other features coming which I could talk about for quite a long time, but the key thing I think to say is that we're not just seeking to grow in sort of arbitrary dimensions, but we'll seek to carefully improve the platform in such a way that it will benefit not only new clients, but all our existing ones as well. Well, Jake, it's been great talking to you. Uh, and I think one thing I can say for sure is that you wouldn't be short of mastermind specialist subjects uh, if ever the opportunity arose. But it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. And look, I'm already looking forward to the next time we have you on the podcast. So Jake, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, George. I'll get back to my double espresso now. It's a bit cold, but there we go. Cheers, George. Well, that was the last part of our Intro to GGT podcast. And it was great to round it off. And I promise it won't be the last time you hear from Jake on this podcast. As always, we may have left you with answers, we may have left you with questions, but either way, it would be great to hear from you. We're Good Growth, a data and technology business trusted by global brands to grow market share and profitability of e-commerce and digital channels. You can email us at inquiries at goodgrowth.co.uk or have a look at our website, which is goodgrowth.co.uk. Thanks very much for listening.